exclusive on PodHub Network. Your city, your podcast. To the delight of this crowd, McClendon marches down the dugout steps with first base. McCutcheon's throw. The runner breaks to the plate. Here's the throw. Wow. It's out. The Buckos win. You are listening to the North Shore 9 Podcast. Follow them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Also, make sure to watch NS9 Live every Thursday on Twitch and help support by becoming a patron. Let's go, Bucks! Welcome to WNS9 Plus, the very first episode of WNS9 Plus. I'm your host, Anthony DiNardo. With us, as always, for the very first time, we have Tyler, we have Jim, also, we have a special guest, Mike. Is it Persac? It is Persac, yeah. Okay, I've got to ask. I'm like, I think it's that, but I'm terrible with names, so probably should ask before show. But anyways, Mike Persac, what's up, man? Living the dream, baby. I, don't worry about it. I, I have multiple people who call me Persac, but like, I, I don't. I don't like correct anyone anyway, so it's all good. It is Persac, so you got that right. You're off to a good start. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for coming on for sure. Um, so we're this will be actually sent. If you're watching this, it's Sunday, but we're recording this Wednesday, straight off the Diamondbacks sweep. So good stuff, good stuff to talk about right now. I mean, you go and you know the Pirates go and take the the series from the Mets, and then they get swept by the Diamondbacks. It's the perfect 2021 season. Yeah, well, the Mets series was so much fun. I mean, I don't know. I, I just greatly enjoyed that series. I got blocked by Marcus Stroman. I was trying to get blocked by Edwin Diaz, and I didn't. So props to him for that. But no, it was just so – it was fun to just kind of make fun of the Mets for a while. And then, yeah, we go face the worst team in baseball and get swept. It's kind of kind of odd. Just thankful it was on West Coast, so I didn't really have to watch much of it. <laughs> yeah. Do we know you're, you're in bed by nine? <laughs> yeah. I am such an old man that has to suck to actually have to cover it and then write an article after it though. Mm. <laughs> Can't be us. <laughs> How's that going for you, Mike? <laughs> hey, listen, J- Jason Mackey's over in Arizona, so it's not me either. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Yeah. The Mets. The Mets I, yeah, true. I will. I will echo that the Mets series was so fun. Like even though games in New York, I guess there was whatever game it was that was like 15 to three or whatever. Like, that one wasn't quite as like fun to watch. It was just over and long by that point. But the rest of the series was awesome. Like every game was really fun to watch. Even that last Sunday game before the break, where they came back, the Pirates came back from five runs down. Like super exciting. Like I don't know. The whole series was fun. And then this Arizona one was just such a dud. But like it is what it is. I mean, the one takeaway is Nagowski hit his first home run in his 69th at bat. And that part or too was it, was it a 69th at bat or 69th play appearance? It was one of the two. I think it was at bat. Yeah, that's impressive. The man has a a, a sense for the moment. <laughs> he does. He does. Were you? Were you? Were you? So you were you covered that home series against the Mets, right? Yeah. How was the locker room after that? Oh, that was Friday night. That first game that Stroman pitched, right? Yeah, so we're we're still not allowed in the clubhouse, uh, which is a bummer. Right. Okay. Uh, 
because that would have been the prime like game to be down there and just like really get people's thoughts. Cause like Nagowski he had the one quote about like, Oh yeah, it's been a while for them. So I'm sure they're frustrated or whatever, but like the rest of it was pretty diplomatic. Like we asked him about it right off the top, obviously. And he was like, Oh yeah, just two competitors getting after it, like so on and so forth. Like he wouldn't, he wouldn't admit to like talking trash with Stroman while he was at first base, like the inning afterwards too. Like, so, you know, whatever. And if yeah. it, it, like, it's his right to do that, but yeah, it was kind of a bummer that like of that, of all games, we weren't allowed like in the clubhouse or whatever. Yeah. Cause I feel like that would have been fun just being there. Cause I'm sure the, the players were just loving it too. The fact that they were able to win that game. Um, yeah, that would have been, that would have been a fun, fun. That's game. also, that's also a game. Like, like that's a time where I would really love to hear like what Brian Reynolds thinks about like a brawl or like even Adam Frazier, like the guys who are quieter or whatever. Like, I feel like they get fired up about that kind of stuff. And so like, you can actually get some, uh, you know, good thoughts about it. Cause Brian Reynolds was one of the first people in there. Like he was walking away, he was on base and like turned around and saw it and came back in. And it's like, I don't know. What does Brian Reynolds think about a brawl? Is he really trying to get in there and fight? Like, I don't know. <laughs> so, with it being on Zoom, do you like lose the opportunity to have the off the record thoughts from guys? Yeah, yeah, you that can sucks. get them because we're we're kind of at least like we now get to go down for batting practice and like pull guys as they're coming in or whatever. So like that's a there's at least that. So it's getting better, but um, but I think what what was that? Was that a Friday and then the next day was like a four o'clock game or something and it was raining or so, it, there was something like that where we didn't have like BP at all. So by the time we finally got back down on the field, like it wasn't really worth asking anybody about it anymore. Yeah, and you're by that time the emotions have kind of cooled off. Like yeah, off right. the record right after the game, you're gonna get a lot more juice out of that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and you know, it, it is what it is. Like we're hoping to get back in there pretty soon. It seems like we're gonna be in there before like football or hockey people are in there. Like, it seems like we're in a better spot from that perspective, but, um, you know, remains to be seen. So we'll see. Hmm. <clears throat> Waiting on the daughters. Cool. 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 <laughs> cool. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, that Mets series was super fun. And then, uh, you didn't, it was you didn't cover terrible it. baseball. Oh, um, but, but that's just what, <laughs> Pittsburgh Pirates 2021 season is. It's just, yeah, it's, it's how, point. <laughs> how fun can we make this terrible baseball? And that, uh, that was a good weekend. So even though they weren't able to sweep, the sweep would have been nice. And, and just the fact that they lost the way that they did, like they came back from six runs down on Saturday and they blew the six runs on Sunday. Cause I was talking trash, like beginning of that game. And yeah, it didn't work out. It'd be a sad yeah. person to talk trash about like, and, the favorite of the pirates it also led it also led to like the passing tweets or whatever or like you know national people being like uh you know being like wow the mets are in shambles and then eventually having to be like oh the pirates are terrible like, they stink it's like yeah dude you you don't watch this every day i get mad about this stuff just because it's like yeah you think like people are just like swooping in and being like man these pirates they're fun uh, you know they're hilariously bad and it's like it's not so funny when you're here every game, man. <laughs> <laughs> I watched every Kevin Newman at bat this year. <laughs> that's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's awful. That's awful. Um, well, no, because I'm. That's the same thing. Like I feel like, especially on Twitter and stuff, like Pirates fans, like we in general are just a super negative group because like we just hate each other and ourselves because we like this team. 
But then like when someone else from mm. outside Pirates Twitter like comes at the Pirates, it's just like it's like a war at that point. We just <laughs> like and it just makes no sense because we suck. But hey, yeah. we, it's like no one can make fun of us except us. We can make right. fun of us, but not you. Yeah. Or, and, and I feel and you know, you might be able to relate some of us in here relate to it, but I feel like it's honestly the pirates Twitter, pirates fandom is like a big Italian family. It's so dysfunctional. Like you said, everyone's arguing with each other. You're idiots. You're this and that. But it's like at the end of the day, y'all love each other. But right, if anyone comes in and talks, you know, trash on you and your family, they're done. <laughs> I feel like it's a more noble way of going about it as like a fan base. You know, just from the outside, it's obviously different from my perspective. But like, I feel like it's better than than uh, you know being like, oh yeah, you're right. You know, people from the outside or whatever. Like like standing up for yourself. Like I don't know. There's some like nobility in that, at least. <laughs> Yeah, he yeah, might like, be my drunk like, uncle, but he's my drunk uncle. <laughs> yeah, right. right. Like when Bernie when Bernie tweets out today about how, oh my God, the Pirates are spending money in the draft and everyone just like attacked him. I don't know if you saw oh, his yeah. like retaliation like tweets. He's like, yeah. oh my God, there might be like three Pirates fans left that haven't attacked me yet. And like he started going after people and it's like, well, I mean, you're the one that made the stupid comment to begin with, but... <laughs> But actually, though, one thing I wanted to bring up too, like, because you talk about, you know, the Pirates playing horrendously terrible. And I feel like, I mean, obviously, we all know what we're talking about that initial play. But I feel like ever since that play as well, like, has there just not been a thrash of just terrible plays around MLB? I, I mean, it's like, even like, we're talking about the Diamondbacks, even this last week, they had, uh, uh, who was it? I forget, but the guy who, like, just to stopped running to first base again. Yeah. And they threw him out. Oh, it was like, oh, what are yeah, you doing? Yeah. I think I think it was Cole Calhoun, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was yeah. Calhoun. Yeah. But and then the Javi Bias, like how many terrible plays he's made so far as well. Like I just feel like there's been such a thrash of just boneheaded, like just bad MLB play. And That's... unfortunately, it seems like it started at the the Will Craig scenario. <laughs> the Orioles today missed a pop up that would have ended the game, and then the Rays walked it off the next play. Oh my god, <laughs> it's so bad. It's all you hear then. See, sell the team. <laughs> yeah, that's how it works. It's actually, yeah, that's actually just a state of, of Major League Baseball is there's like 18 franchises who want their owners to sell the team. <laughs> <laughs> I think you can find a segment in every fan base that wants their owner to sell the team. Yeah, say, well, the, the irony in it is the Yankees are probably one of them too. The Yankees fan base oh, yeah. like sell the team. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Cubs fans are allowed us right now. Mets the, the, on there, okay. That's yeah the Mets have the Mets have had their owner for like what six months and they're already ready to, to get to get him out of there I think Mets fans just want to be relocated so they don't have to deal with the team anymore so one of my one of my best friends is is a huge Mets fan and uh like you know going up like through college or whatever he I would just get like you know, outsized level of like Mets news that I would never have ever gotten. And I was always like, this team is really insane. Like crazy stuff just happens to this team. Like all like the whole UN assessment like injuring himself with a horse or whatever it was like, just, just a bunch of crazy stuff constantly going on. Uh, and like, I, I think I've come to understand that like, part of it is just that if you follow a team for 162 games, like just, really dumb stuff happens and like it depends on how large the media market is or whatever like how big it gets but like i mean dumb stuff happens with every team like 162 games is a really long time like even the yankees right now like 
the, what a chaos season where like they just keep catching COVID and like their their lineup is just like a ridiculous amalgamation of like like they're starting a 32 year old guy who has like 200 career at bats at first base like right now like it's insane like <laughs> just had this conversation <laughs> last night Jim was like what is a Rob Brantley <laughs> I said the same thing to my friend like almost verbatim I was like you can't tell me Rob Brantley's a real person like who is this guy <laughs> right. That was literally the first time I've ever heard that name in my life. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, he was a second round draft pick. He played for the Detroit Tigers, the Marlins. I think San Fran a little bit. He was on around the block. And he had a negative like three war in his career. I only know that from a strat league <laughs> that I'm in. So <laughs> but yeah. But no, you're right. I mean, the thing's heightened, of course. You're watching and seeing this team 162 times. Like you see the worst and the best of them. And this year it's a lot of the worst. So I get it. But I mean, you know, talking the pirates, maybe we should talk a little bit about them. I know we kind of try to not so much <laughs> because it's a little bit depressing at times. But you know, we have you on here. Let's talk the season. Let's talk. I mean, right now the draft just ended. Um Ooh, I got a fun game. What's that? Mike tweeted earlier about let's see, Bubba Chandler being up in 2026. Let's all go around and say how old we'll be when he debuts. Denardo, you start. <laughs> Tyler, I hate you. Um, can I plead the fifth? I'll be forty-two. Denaro will be forty-four. I'll be, I'll be thirty-three. 42. Can you not? Oh He'll wait, be forty-four. No. Let's that would be five technically years. when he debuts. 20, I'll be forty. 20, I'll be forty-two, and then twenty-eight days later, I'll be forty-three. I would be thirty-eight. Twenty-nine. I just wanted to point out. I just wanted to point out Denaro's really old. Yeah, we know 29, but like 29 feels, you know, I hope this, this isn't insulting and you guys don't get mad at this, but like, I feel like when you're 24, 29 feels just like absurd. Like it does. I'll be 33. So that feels awful. (laughs) I had a bit of a breakdown when I turned 25. (laughs) So, (laughs) but I don't know. I still think I'm 23 at times. So. But yeah, so I guess going back to this draft, no, I mean, that is the big news. I mean, obviously, Davis signs under slot. Uh, Chandler's taking a $3 million bonus right now. I want to talk to you. Maybe you heard anything. Maybe there's something out there. But like, so what are the chances now with the slot being left at $2.3-ish million, or I guess total money you have with the uh, the 4.9% over and such? I mean, what are the chances that the Pirates can really sign everyone, including maybe Bishop? I mean, Bishop is the one that's really funky, right? Because, like, the reports coming out are so odd about him where it's, like, like he'll take just barely over slot and, like, you know, if they, whatever it was. It was something like if they offer, like, 175000 he'll take it. And it's, like, that's – I don't know. Like, it seems weird that, that that's, like, the line. But whatever. If it is, then so be it. Um, but, like, I don't know. It seems like Lonnie White – is going to sign, right? Like, it seems like everything that we've heard from like Bubba Chandler and Solomito, and I get that they're just like, you know, they're going to be positive anyways, but they seem to, to think that, that they seem to have a decent relationship with the guy and think that like, yeah, we're all signing. Like we're, we can't wait. We're excited. So on and so forth. So like, it, it would just be so wild for a guy drafted that high, not to sign that. Like I'm kind of operating under the assumption that he's going to, and the money that he's going to get, even if even if Bubba Chandler took up so much, like you know, he could he could still probably get like what million, like one point two, one point three, whatever it would end up being. 
Um, like that's a ton of money for a guy in college to turn down. So like, I, I feel like white and Kellington are safe. I'm sort of not convinced on Bishop, but I don't know. The fact that he's held out this long means that they still have a chance, right? Yeah, I guess Bishop, I mean, Bishop originally, I guess on day two came out and said, you know, I'm not, I'm not going, but yeah, it seems like now he's kind of changed his mind a little bit. Um, I think with white and I mean, I, I'm kind of getting the sense that maybe he's just trying to decide like, Hey, do I, do I want to play baseball or do I want to play football? I mean, that that's probably his main thing is, you know, if, if I, if I sign most likely, I'm done playing football for the rest of my life, right? I mean, you, you have some guys who go back and do it later on after they phase out in the minors. But, I mean, that's 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 a big decision for an 18-year-old to be like, hey, what am I going to do the rest of my life? And I know, like, you know, $1.2, $1.3 million is a lot of money. But, yeah, it's it, it kind of forces you to do the one thing when your whole life you've been used to doing these multiple things. And, right. yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, he, the guy's a freak athlete. Um, yeah, and you know, hopefully, hopefully we can get them. I, I have a feeling though that they wouldn't have made the pick if they didn't think they could sign them. Right. What was the, what was the stat from? I think it was Jim Callis who was tweeting about it during the draft or whatever, where it was like only two players ever taken, or like only two players taken in rounds two through ten in twenty nineteen, like didn't sign. Like it's so rare for guys to get this money thrown at them especially high schoolers or like to be taken this high and for them to not sign because these teams do their homework, right? Like the pirates had an idea of what it would take to sign him beforehand. doesn't mean he hasn't like changed his mind a little bit, but I don't know if they don't get him, maybe, maybe Bishop, you know, they can really throw a bag at Bishop and go get him too. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure how, how it would work, but like, I, like I said, I'm still sort of on, operating under the assumption that like white is the, you know, see, it's I, I'm operating under the assumption that he's going to sign uh, until I hear otherwise. He's yeah. been dead silent on everything too. That's yeah. like <laughs> that's that's yeah. what we're in. You brought it up. You know, Salamedo and Chandler are just been talking and talking and so vocal. And you know, White's just in the background. You haven't heard anything. And I think Jim pointed out today. You know, we're talking discussion. Like his last tweet was, I think, like a retweet you said from way back in like January or something. Yeah, so it's, it's like. Not- it's just silence from him and it he, makes it a little he, uneasy. He's posted a little bit on like his Instagram story or whatever of like, you know, when he first got drafted, he posted like the graphic or something like that. Like, it, it, so, so there's been a little bit of that, but like, uh, yeah, I mean, it's not for like lack of trying of like people trying to get in touch with like him or like folks who know him or like whatever, like, you know, People are trying. I can tell you firsthand. It's just like it's it's kind of silent on that front. So, how long is it going to take till everyone in Pittsburgh starts hating Bubba Chandler when he strikes out four times in a game? Because he's going to tweet. It's going to be Tony Sanchez. <laughs> everyone just starts hating them. <laughs> I feel like I feel like Salamito seems like the more online guy. I don't know. Maybe that's just me personally, but ah, uh, but Chandler's got that mullet. It's going to make someone <laughs> mad. Maybe if you quit buying hair dye and go to the batting cage, you'd be better. <laughs> Isn't it? I feel like it's kind of, uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this happens more frequently than, than I know, but like, it feels like it's kind of crazy that the two guys who were, who were also football players, like, it's not like they're just going to like random schools or whatever. It's like, like it's right. Penn state and Clemson. Like yeah. <laughs> these are two like top 10 football programs. Like, I, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. It makes the equation a lot like more difficult to figure out. I think. 
Yeah, also plus makes, White, White was playing both there. He got scholarship for both, so it's like he yeah. can still continue his career in both and then decide what he wants to do and not do it at 18. It's also good if you're a Pirates fan and also a Pitt fan, you can, hey, take away Clemson quarterback and a Penn State wide receiver. It's not too bad. Also, with the NIL stuff coming out, like if you're a Clemson quarterback, you might get some money if you actually start. <laughs> no, for sure. Well, and, and actually now you not in those ways, but now but you mean, actually he can make money in college. For a long time. That's what I mean. Yeah. With the, if you're yeah, starting that's... quarterback at Clemson, you're gonna make it. Oh yeah. I mean Nick Saban said the other day that I forget the name of the Alabama quarterback now, but uh he's he's almost a uh, million dollars. Bryce something. Bryce Young. Yeah. yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, I once, uh, this is a complete tangent, but, uh, I was once in DC and just like for, for, I was actually covering Penn state at the time and I was walking around the monuments and Bryce young was just like there with his family, like walking around. And I knew that because he was wearing a shirt that said on the back, Bryce young. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, I know who this guy is <laughs> always be marketing. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's funny. So I guess that make sense on why it took three mil to get Bubba Chandler, but I do have a question for you here. In 2023 of the guys that are in this organization right now, who's going to be the top prospect? Or who's going to be ranked the highest, I should say? Because you figure Nick Gonzalez is gone. Hopefully he's up in the majors. And Neil Cruz hopefully up in the majors. Yeah, That's Priester. I, I assume like Priester Henry Davis is on there. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Davis might be the safest call just because he is currently now, and like you'd imagine next year he only. I mean, you know, what what do we expect that he would get up to next year? Like Altoona, maybe like at the very highest, but like maybe even not. Um, so like I feel like Henry Davis might be the safest call, honestly. Is it Kanaj Thomas that you wrote an article about? <laughs> I hope so, man. That was a <laughs> wonderful story. He's a great dude. It uh, really was. That yeah, I, yeah. No, but it'll it'll probably like your answer is probably whoever they take at number three overall next <laughs> next year in the draft. <laughs> That's why I made that ca- caveat of who is currently in the organization. Uh, okay, yeah, who will be ranked you. the highest? Yeah, I don't know. If I you know, gun to my head, I'd probably take Davis, but but I don't know. It's it's. I mean, these things change so much. You know how it is. Like it's it's hard to predict, but. Um, I think I would probably take Davis, but Priester could be a good shout. Like, um, I don't know any of those guys, even like Piguero, like if he's not up there, I think people forget how young Piguero is. Like he's only 20. Um, so like maybe he, maybe he develops even more and becomes like a camp mess type of guy. But, but yeah, I think like it would probably be between those three if I had to guess. Cause I agree with you that like if Gonzalez and Cruz aren't up there by then, then their stock will certainly have fallen at that point. So. That makes sense. If I had to guess, let's see, we said 2023. So we're talking about like right. mid-2023 or like beginning of 2023? That's That was my thought was mid-2023. Maybe like during the season in that ballpark. See, I'm thinking 2023 is the year that like, yeah, I think Cruz, I think Cruz can potentially be up here next year. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. looking at basically that whole Greensboro crew, Gonzalez, uh, I, I would think Priester in 2023 as well. Uh, mm-hmm. 
maybe Pagera. I mean, like I said, he is a lot younger, so he's younger than both of those guys. Well, I guess he's about the same, a little, little bit younger than Priester, but um, yeah, I don't know. I'd go Davis too. I think that's probably a good pick. Just the fact that he's a catcher, like, yeah. Also, he's just going to be high on prospect lists just because of that. But if he has a debut season where he just doesn't hit, he's just going to drop like a rock. I don't know if he'll drop like a rock, but he'll, he, I think he's still like a guaranteed top 100 prospect unless he just totally tanks like next year. Like, I don't think, I don't think if he doesn't, like, if he doesn't hit this year, wherever they're going to send him, which I would send him to Greensboro, but I'm also not the GM, so it's not my call. But um, wherever he goes this year, I think if, you know, that's not going to play a huge part in where he's at next year, but. I agree with that. I think Davis is probably the right pick. It's so hard for me. You mentioned to bring him to Greensboro. I mean, I'll be interested to see what happens. Like if any of those guys get like call-ups at some point during this year. Um, But isn't it like so odd and like hard to fight the, uh, you know, like whatever I can't urge urge is the word I'm looking for. I can't believe I was playing on that, but fight the urge to like, fit in like okay well if andy rodriguez is at low a then like you know he gets bumped up so you move davis to low a or like if he doesn't get bumped up you move davis to high. like isn't it it's just so hard to like fight that urge i get that probably not how the pirates think about it but like you know what's the point of making andy rodriguez and henry davis like split reps in bradenton if like if it's not totally necessary uh because i mean come on look at the rankings they're on mlb pipeline ben charrington you gotta, you gotta split those guys out <laughs> And, and, oh, you're right. Yeah. It's kind of like whenever, like, you had Newman and Tucker and, mm-hmm. and like, Kramer kind of all coming up at the same time. And it was like, they they were kind of all lumped in together for a little bit. Um, it, but, like, Tucker was always, like, right below Newman. So, it was like, every time Newman went up, Tucker went up. So, kind of a, kind of a similar thing there. Hopefully, hopefully they end up being a little better <laughs> than, than that crop. <laughs> Well, and like kind of semi on this topic, because obviously they're getting an influx of talent here and we're talking about Henry Davis, where he's going to go. But like you kind of find that they're starting to get those crunches. I mean, for one, there's like there's just so much talent on the lower levels and they're producing. And it's like, when are some of these guys going to get pushed to the next level? Uh, you know, I mean, for for one, let's talk about you know, like even Altoona. I mean, there's there's like a void of actual talent in AAA. You know, it's just guys. So when are people like... Well, obviously not Contreras anymore at this point in time. But like, when are people going to start getting the push um, to Indy? So that way, these guys at low levels can also maybe get the push to Altoona, and then like you said, like Davis can slide in somewhere. Yeah, I mean, I really don't know. Like, I don't have much. You know, I don't have any like real intel on that. But like, I don't know the way because you know the way I try to think about it's like, all right, if I don't understand anything, I'm trying to like figure out like you know what they say and like find reason in this, right? And so like. I, I, this may be far-fetched, but I've been trying to think of like why guys aren't getting called up to AAA. Cause, cause it is true. Like when you, like when I, even when I went down there to Indianapolis, like, it's like, Oh, I know all of these guys. It's there's Hunter Owen. I saw him earlier this year and there's Anthony Alford and, and Dustin Fowler. Like what, you know, what is this team right now? <laughs> but like, uh, but so Ben Charrington has said before that, like, once you get to AAA, you're not like, there are no prospects in AAA. Like once you're in AAA, you like you're either good enough to be on the major league roster or you're not. So I feel like maybe that there's like a cutoff there where it's like 
they want to be really sure when they bring a guy to triple a that that's like that he's ready to perform there because like he's right next, you know what I'm saying? Um, which, which is why it's confusing. And like the only one I really don't understand right now is Rodolfo Castro is like, mm, yeah. if, if you believe in this guy enough to give him like starts in the majors and he like does, at the, you know, even a little bit of something there, like what's the point of bringing him back down to double a just so you can give reps to, you know, TJ Rivera and triple a or, or some other guy that like you picked up off the waiver wire or whatever it is like, and nothing against those guys. Like it is what it is, but, but you know, why wouldn't you let Rodolfo Castro go challenge himself when he's dominated double a, and he came up and gave you something in the major leagues. But the other guys, I understand like a sort of caution. Like if you want to be absolutely sure before you bring him to triple a fine. Um, if it were me, I'd probably just like bump him up because why not? Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just kind of how I'm trying to think about it. Like, that's really the only, only thing I can sort of reason right now. Boy, am I just happy he didn't say Mason Martin. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here we go. Tyler is the, Since the Tyler's open Pandora's yeah. box here. Yes. Let's, let's talk, talk about yeah, Mason let's talk Martin. About a little bit. Yeah. The guy strikes out so Mason Martin of the time. You're right. He doesn't he also deserve has the most home runs. Good has for him. Most home runs in minor league baseball Good over for the last him. two years. Great for him. He's not going to make it if he keeps Kaying like that. And guys that K like that in the minors don't make it. Most. I mean, like, but, <laughs> but at what point do you call up a guy to AAA who has, I mean, he has a 146 weighted runs created plus in AA. He's clearly hitting AA pitching. The strikeouts are there, yeah, but it's not, it hasn't been an issue for him yet. Yeah, I think it's just yet. the big fat. Yeah. We don't really think he's that good, so Let's not think about him. I mean, I, I, you know, this isn't specific to Mason Martin because I, you know, I agree with you that the strikeout numbers are a little too high, but I think, I think, I think that Jim's point that like he is producing a lot down there in terms of like, even in spite of that is like at least noteworthy. Um, and like probably worth at least giving him a shot at triple at some point. Right. But like, yeah. Um, but, but I, I do try to bring this up like fairly frequently of like, you know, when you're analyzing like how this organization is doing with a rebuild, you know, talent acquisition is, you know, it's a big deal. Like you should be happy about the draft and like them, you know, pulling the strings right on their biggest bonus pool to like get, you know, three top 35 guys or whatever, or four top 35 guys or whatever it is like, you know, that that's good. But like there, there is no example yet like it's still too soon to say that they're definitely doing a great job in development right now because like if a guy's raking at low a or high a like fine that's good like that's encouraging but everyone always says you hear from baseball people all the time that the biggest jump is triple a to the majors and the biggest minor league jump is double a to triple a like those are the levels where you need to perform before there's any like real hope in this guy um or or at least like tangible results right and so like you know, it's a good, it's better than it's better that O'Neill Cruz was hitting really well before his injury at double A than if he were struggling a ton. Like I'll acknowledge that for sure. Um, but it's, it's not like a tangible, you know, part of the rebuild until like it continues to move on. You know what I'm saying? And you can look for signs and pieces and all that, but, um, I don't know. I just think that like in general, 
people look at a rebuild and, and they and they put way too much stock in prospects and like what they're doing right now and whatever. And it's like you can't just you can't just rely on a bunch of like 20 year olds to pan out for this rebuild to work. Like it just doesn't happen like that most of the time. It's good that the farm's good, but like there's a lot more that needs to be seen before this is like a success so far. We've been in the boat of a really good farm system quite a few times in the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it happens like, you know, a ton of teams have really good farm systems and like, you just have to hit on like what eight of them. <laughs> like, it doesn't have to be like, it's, you know, like you, you, not even that, you like you just, you need a couple and then you need to be very shrewd with your front office and signings. And right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, something to that, what I'll say, cause I think, I don't know if people lose sight of this and such, but you know, like part of the talent acquisition you're talking about is getting as many as you can, because of course, you know, you need things to pan out. So obviously you mitigate some risk if you have like 40 good players and not 20. But I think what also you got to understand too, is like, not only is Charrington potentially stockpiling like future pirates, but you know, you have a stockpile of also potential trade pieces that are coming through this organization too because you know you already have like your middle infield now and now this you know player that's going to get drafted next year per se or maybe it's one of the guys that drafted this year that you know comes up like now is expendable and there's a potential way of getting some starting pitching or whatnot so you know i mean that's one thing i like about like what's especially again like we're talking about this draft like the talent that you brought in are these guys going to pan out all four of them probably not right but what you might have is a starting catcher and you might have two pieces that are in double a at that point in time and now they're a potential like trade chip to improve that team. So I mean, that's one thing I, I do like about this rebuild is you are right. I mean, at this point in time, you don't know who's going to be what, but at least you are seeing positive things. Right. So, so like, you know, we don't know what the development's going to be, but he, to my, you know, in my point of view, like Charrington's done a great job acquiring a lot of talent. No, I, I agree with that. And, and like, you know, what I said isn't even necessarily an indictment of Ben Charrington because like, like I said, you don't need all of them to pan out for it to be a good rebuild anyway. So it's, it's, I, I just think like, I don't know, it's, it's, you know, Mason Martin, like I said, is like, you know, he's, he's hitting a ton of home runs and that's great, but like, it is still double A and, and, mm-hmm. you know, you want to see more. Like, I think the larger point is just that like, nothing's really a sure thing in terms of like the individual, like all you can do is acquire as much talent as, as you can, like you said, and, and, you know, hope for the best from there, I guess, but like be ready to supplement it with like, other outlets like you can't just only rely on you know your top eight prospects to pan out and turn into a world series team and like a denardo alluded to was gathering those chips that you can't trade them that's something i don't really think we saw with neil huntington until his ultimate demise with chris archer so that's going to be the big question mark on sharrington i think at this point other than development yeah i mean i think it is encouraging that like um you know, he like he hasn't stopped. Like it's just like you just keep churning out like and getting prospects. And like even if it's just you know a random trade for Dylan Peters or whatever, like you know it probably doesn't mean anything. But like if you like something about that guy and you think Kyle Crick is expendable or whatever, like and you go get that, like it's a constant churn. You know what I'm saying? Like and it's not it's not it's not like Dylan Peters is going to turn into an ace or whatever. But it, but I think that just the constantly looking for whatever is is at least encouraging where it's not like you know they haven't gotten to a point where they're satisfied with what they've done and they're ready to sit back and wait you know can we now bring up crick then there's also some internal discussion on that that 
I think all three of us can agree. That, so about Crick, okay? He's probably not in the future plans for the Pirates. I think that's safe to say, right? Even as far as 2022, probably not going to be on the Pirates. But something, like, I guess the what leaves me feeling a little dirty on this is, why was it Crick? You know, again, like, has he been great? No. Is he in the future? No. But to me, there's plenty of other, especially pitchers on this team that aren't as well. And so, like, what made Charrington decide to, like, stop his finger on Crick and say, you're the guy at this point in time and not other guys that might be more deserving of that? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I you know, obviously they'd never give, like, a straight answer on that. It's been hard to, I don't know, I because I kind of agree with you guys that it's, like, that at least he has like when he's good, like he has an elite weapon, right? Like that. I mean, the slider when, when he's on is like a a pitch that very few like teams have, (laughs) like it's such a good, Mm -hmm. like at least as such a sweeping breaking pitch, whatever. Um, I don't know. Maybe I I was trying to figure of like, maybe it's like, that is what he is and it hasn't been good enough. So like, there's no room to grow because that's just him. Like he's just going to, throw a frisbee up there and hope that it's in the strike zone or like enticing enough to get people to swing. Um, so like maybe they see other guys that are on the fringe and are like, well, at least we can work on something else and like add it to his arsenal or like we like something else about them. Like that's really all I can figure. But I mean, my initial reaction was similar to, to what you guys are saying. It's just like, you know, like Kyle Keller or Austin Davis or, or whatever, the guys that have Nick Mears, the guys that have been that are on the 40 man, but are, have been up and down all year and we haven't gotten a good look. And when we've gotten a good look, it hasn't been <laughs> like <Mears>. always crazy. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, Nick Mears, we literally haven't gotten a look. He just keeps going. Right. Up and down. <laughs> <laughs> guys just collecting those paychecks. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And uh, more power to him. But, yeah. um, you know, maybe, maybe they just see like, higher upside in those guys i don't know if i do but like it's not really up to me you know so i have a theory that i think kyle crick just might be an asshole and they didn't want to deal with him anymore because the guy has had his fair share of clubhouse type of issues yeah and at some point it might have just been like you know what i don't feel like dealing with this anymore yeah or maybe he expressed like you know i want to get out of here uh and they're like no one's trading for you, buddy. So, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. I don't have any intel yeah. on that, but like, I, I kind of got the same sense of like, you know, I can't possibly, it's just so hard to stretch your mind to be like, okay, yeah, no, they see more in Kyle Keller and Nick Mears than they do in, in, uh, in Kyle Crick. Like really? Like, I don't know. I, you know, it, it's it, yeah. like, that's, that's hard to sort of fathom. So like maybe it was something behind the scenes. I don't know. I think my, I just, I'm not going to get worked up about Kyle Crick getting DFA. Like, yeah, would I have probably have been better with them doing Mears or Keller or Ponce, you know, one of these guys. But again, I just say none of those guys are going to be on the Pirates teams that actually matter. I don't think Kyle Crick's going to necessarily add anything to this team down the road where they could make that team. Like no one's trading for Kyle Crick, like you said. Um, yeah. So it's like, I, I mean, if so, it's going to be for just some cash. Yeah, but, but I mean, cash. I mean, if you keep them around, we suck con- anyhow. Cash considerations is probably the best you're getting for Kyle Crick. Um, the dude walks seven batters at every nine innings. He literally has no idea where his pitches go. He just, he just spins them up there as fast as he can. 
And yeah, it's, a, it's an excellent slider, but he doesn't know where it's going. And when he doesn't know where it's going, he's like a bad pitcher. Um, and so like, they I got don't a bunch trust, of those. I, right. I agree with you. So like I said, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not getting worked up about it. Like, I, am. I don't know. Yeah, I, See, I feel like Tyler I, and Jim I are like on opposing care. sides here about this, and I'm in the middle. And my thing, like, my thing is, I agree with Jim saying. I just, I don't understand the thought process. Like, I just want to know the why. Like, why was it the Crick? Because the the thinking doesn't make sense. I'm not worked up over it. Crick's gone, and Crick's gone. He's probably gonna be here anyways. But why Crick? <laughs> I mean, maybe I don't like understand Mike that. Said, maybe like Mike said, like, I mean, Crick's going to be in arbitration next year that maybe they were probably going to non-tender him. So mm-hmm. maybe just be like, Hey, you know what? Let's just DFA you. You can go try to hop on to some other team, maybe a contender, maybe get a minor league deal and, and play for somebody else. Right. Maybe so the I mean, Diamondbacks. It, it, but that could be it. It's just like, Hey, you know what? Nobody wants you. We don't really need you anymore. <laughs> go, go find somewhere else to play. I'm going with my method of he's probably an asshole. They didn't want to deal with it on a rebuilding club. I'm no interested problem. to see if he gets claimed. <laughs> I mean, I, I think he'll get claimed. I think he'll get claimed. I honestly, if I had to guess, I, I the Reds, the Reds would claim him. That would make sense. They need all hands on deck. Do you think that, do you think that the pirates could have gotten a uh, Jock Peterson package for Kyle? Craig for someone? <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's yeah, the thing too like with this that's year no more than i thought they'd get for him yeah right. well just, yeah and this year like with no international money being able to trade it too like that's even less of a reason that crick's probably gonna get traded that's what i'm saying like at least at this point with the dfa maybe cash what was this arbitration money gonna be nothing just pay him that see if he bounces back if not dfa him who cares but my theory is that he's an asshole and they didn't want to deal with him. Signed, sealed, delivered. Boom. He did punch a pedophile, though. He did. Good for him. Yeah. But he also like got into it with a bunch of other dudes as well. So he's probably an asshole. I Actually, guess. going to go into the Reds would be fun because he, he's the one who started that whole like <laughs> fight, didn't he? Wasn't it like Amir Garrett and Kyle Crick and like that's who he was going after? Was it? Crick? It was Kia. That's what it, it was. Kella, wasn't it? I thought it was Crick. Who did he rock? Was it Trevor Williams? Was I was gonna he, say like, it's Trevor Williams, though. That yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Crick was. But no, I think Crick wasn't. Crick was involved in there. He was definitely in. Was there, he the yeah. second one in? I think maybe that's what it was. Was it Trevor and then maybe. Crick there? Yeah, and Brawl was like right there by by him too. Like Brawl ended up mm-hmm. on like the bottom of the pile or something too. Like it was just <laughs> just just chaos. Kello was the one that was telling Vaughter that he could get it too and throw it in his head. So Crick's making eight hundred thousand dollars this year, by the way, Tyler. So that means he's probably due to make about a million next year. Woo. So I wasn't here, and so I'm actually interested to hear hear what you guys say because I I didn't start covering the Pirates until last season. So, um, but like, what was the general like? thought around Crick is what was it 2019 or 2018 where he had like a really good year uh like were people like really excited for him because I feel like his stuff if he were cooking it'd be like everyone be like yo this guy's awesome (laughs) I mean when he first came over like I I I was thinking he was just like a throw-in in in that Andrew McCutcheon deal right and then he comes over and then 2018 that first year with the club 
Yeah, I mean, you could have made a you could have made a legit argument that Kyle Crick was one of the best relief pitchers in baseball that year. I mean, yeah. he, he he was really good. Um, and then the next year, it kind of started, um, you know, crumbling down. He was giving up tons of home runs in 2019, walking tons of people. But yeah, that 2018 year, I mean, he was great. I, I feel like he was he was one of the best eighth inning guys in the National League. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like when that trade happened, I had a lot of not so good things to say about Crick. <laughs> it's very uninspired about him. Uh, but but you're right. Like that 2018 season just really turned things around. I mean, you saw how filthy his stuff was, and it produced actual results. And you're right. I think there was a lot of people, you know, me including, saying that this guy's the real deal. You know, as far as a reliever, um, I probably never projected like his career since that point going this direction. Yeah, I was saying we, got, where yeah. we were talking and being the season like he is a true DFA. He was a true DFA candidate before the season came. So that's why, again, like mm-hmm. I'm not complaining that he's DFA. I just don't know why him. That's all. Yeah, yeah I was saying we got completely gotta... fine with DFAing him after <laughs> training. Like I would have mm-hmm. been all aboard that. Go ahead, Tyler. You're down to speak. I was saying we got a fourth outfielder and a reliever for Andrew McCutcheon. I was pissed off. I was wrong, I know. Yeah, <laughs> that fourth outfielder. <laughs> Dude, that catch he made be it. pretty good. That catch he made the other day was has to be the best one I've seen him make. That was that was unbelievable. He has the one going back. Yeah, I mean, I feel I I always feel like uh, you know his range is clearly solid, but like I feel like he doesn't lay out very frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, that one, he like went full stretch, like line drive, whatever. And if he didn't catch it, I mean, that was a triple for sure. Like, he, yeah, he he's he certainly yeah. has impressed me. I did not expect him to play as well as he is. And then especially, you talk about diving out. I feel what game was that where he like laid out twice, and I feel like one inning, and like both times it was just out past his glove. And I was like, oh boy, here's the Brian Reynolds center fielder experience. But uh, I feel like that was the only like really bad looking plays he's had, and since then. He, he has been solid. He's filled in at center field, I think, very nicely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just fundamentally sound at everything he does. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still at the mindset, like, I in, a, in an ideal world, he's your left fielder. Because Stalling Marte but, returns in center field? <laughs> but um, <laughs> but he is he's definitely held his own out there in center field. I didn't think he was going to be able to. So he's definitely... I, I don't I don't think we can say enough good things about Brian Reynolds at this point. Except for his post-game interviews. <laughs> All right, Mike, to take it back to relievers, they talked about Richard Rodriguez. I saw an article about GMs noticing the spin rate reduction since everything's gone on the play. Have you heard anything rumor-wise that maybe he's not as highly touted as a trade candidate? Yeah, I mean, it seems like... Um... I don't know. I I haven't, I haven't necessarily heard anything like uh, that's like cooled down. Like, it, you know, he, he still appears to be like being asked about at least pretty frequently. I just don't necessarily know the nature of those conversations. Like, you know, sometimes those conversations have to do with like, uh, you know, what's the deal with this guy? Why is the spin rate way down? Like, is this actually something like a concern? And, um, you know, who knows if those actually turn into honest discussions, but, um, but, but yeah, I mean, I still think that like, even if it is a concern, like contending teams, I mean, how many really need like a true closer? 
like our 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 bag like it's like I guess the Yankees and like uh, you know a few others that could definitely use like a closer. But like you see it all the time where guys where teams will trade for a closer and then they'll use them like a seventh eighth inning role and it's it's just like they needed bullpen help more than they needed an actual true closer. And I still think Richard Rodriguez is like a valuable pitcher even if he struggled at times like so I, I, I don't know, you know, maybe the return isn't as big as it would have been in the first half when he was, you know, through like whatever it was like, you know, however many innings perfect to start the year or whatever, you know, whatever, like, obviously it's probably changed since then, but I, you know, I still think there's a market for Richard Rodriguez, even if his numbers haven't been like as good as they were. I mean, they're still like consistent with his like career numbers still. It's not like they've fallen off that much, you know, maybe if the spin rate's different, fine, but like his actual you know, physical stats so far this season are still pretty similar to what has been over the career. So I don't know, you know, it's hard to say exactly what, what general consensus is. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking to like, ever since June 1st is kind of the date that I use. Cause that's kind of, I feel like beginning of June is when all this stuff started happening and people, you know, that's when the memo came out, but I mean, he's pitched in 15 games since then and 11 of them have been scoreless. So I think most teams would take that. So yeah. as long as the results are still there, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's going to affect things too much. Because like, like Mike said, um, there's teams out there who, yeah, if you're if you're acquiring Richard Rodriguez, you're, you're maybe not using him as your closer. You're maybe using him as you know a setup guy or the, the seventh inning guy, and and he he's going to be better than those teams' options right now, more like more than likely. And that's what I think about like Rodriguez as well. There's definitely concerns about, I mean, he's had a tremendous drop in his spin rate, right? But on the other end, like 90% of MLB has, you know? And so like right. every, almost like every reliever is going through the same situation. Um, obviously, he, like what he was doing before then was extremely well. I mean, you know, like no one's putting up zeros every single game. So there's going to be some regression. And like, so I'm kind of with Jim on here. Like I'm nervous still a little bit. I'm worried, but he hasn't like completely just broke down and been terrible. Almost like actually, I mean, I'm not gonna say it correlates, but Crick has had a terrible month, right? He's just looked god awful. Not that his spin rate has really dropped or anything, but what I want to say too. So we're talking about Rodriguez and the trade value and such, and I feel as if so all year the storylines of Richard Rodriguez is you know pitching well, this bullpen's pitching well, Sam Howard looks great, you know Crick is looking good. Can you actually get something out of return from Crick and such? And I feel, and as I brought up jokingly here before the show and such, like someone who's really been lost through the shuffle and had another really good outing today is Chris Stratton. And, you know, we're talking about the spin rates and that's something he's also known for. He's has great spin rates on, you know, his, his, uh, his pitches and whatnot, but I haven't seen him drop either. I honestly, and I, I talked about this, you know, when it happened, I was like, Chris Tran is going to get suspended. Like I'm going to put money on it. He's the first person <laughs> <laughs> they're going to check his glove and out he goes. And because it, they didn't drop, I think the, you know, the first time it was announced and his, his spin rate actually increased by like 20 RPMs that game. I was like, he's done, but they've continued. And it's like, this is really Chris Stratton. Like I'm kind of semi shocked. The results are still there. He's still playing. So maybe like, what's your take on Chris Stratton? Is he maybe garnishing any any thought here in a trade? Dude, I think he's the, like, when I look at this team, because, you know, I know that everyone's looking at, at Adam Frazier. It's like, oh, he's the guy that everyone wants. He's an all-star and so on and so forth. But like, he's going to fetch a huge price because he is an all-star. Uh, like Chris Stratton seems like the guy to me that would be most likely to be traded because he for those guys who are, 
or for those teams who are just looking for general bullpen help, who better than the guy who can who can go out there? He's thrown three and two thirds innings in, in appearances this year. Like he was a starting pitcher before he was a bullpen guy. Like he has mm-hmm. length to be like a middle reliever guy, and he just like has good numbers. Like he's just a solid, you know, maybe not splashy piece, but like you get something back for Chris Stratton, and you don't have to give up a ton, and and uh, you know, and 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 he just fits in wherever you need him in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe not like a closer if you want to put him at closer, fine. But I don't know if that, I don't know if that's his role. But like, you know, he can just pretty much do whatever you need him to do. So to me, like, I don't know. It feels like he has gone sort of under the radar, like you said, and, and I don't really understand why. Because, um, you know, everything I see, you would think that this would be an, a, a guy who teams would be kind of flocking to. Yeah, I think Stratton's almost to the point where the Pirates are better off not trading him and getting rid of those back end guys and seeing what Stratton can maybe do in like a seven, eight, nine, probably not nine, but seventh or eighth inning role, like one inning role that see if they can build some trade value for him next year, possibly. I think that's possible. I, I kind of like exactly how they use Stratton. Right like, I think, I think they, they utilize him perfectly. Um, he, he's excelling in that role. And I actually, I, I do agree with you. I think definitely under the radar guy. I have heard his name come up in a few conversations, like when when national people are, are writing their their trade columns and stuff. But it's not it's not a not a ton of people. But no, I I agree with you in that. Um, I would be surprised if Chris Stratton's on this team in August. Like I feel like he's just somebody that a lot of teams are going to be calling for and calling about. He's not going to cost a ton. Um, like I said, they'll, they'll get something back for him because he is a good relief pitcher. But, yeah, I, I, I don't see him being on the team much longer because I, I think there's going to be a lot of teams calling about, calling about him. There's a lot of teams out there where they just need, like, one or two relief pitchers. There's a lot. Um, and, and so I feel like there's going to be quite a few relievers dealt at the deadline, and I, I think Stratton's going to be one of them. I disagree. All right. <laughs> I just I really wouldn't know. do it. Yeah. I, don't I, don't, I just how, wouldn't how do it. Could but... be I'm on the boat nice. of, especially this rebuilding team now, you have a, a reliever of any type of value, trade them. I know, but like, as much as he's Tyler next year, he's going to, his arm's going to fall off and you get nothing. Yeah. I mean, you're really not going to get anything for him right now. Yeah, I mean that is that is like the caveat, and like I kind of put it in like what I was talking about is like I feel like he's most likely to be dealt because he is probably going to be pretty cheap. But like, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what the height of his like value would be, anyways. So, but I, but I could, you know, you could make an argument for like Tyler said, you know, might as well find out. I guess if it's not going to be that much, anyways, like I would understand that too. I mean, you got two, what, two year, two more years of control with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What, yeah. what's a couple more? Let's let's just see what happens halfway through next year. I mean, this do we really want some like? I mean, I that. Quad A scrub. I just I don't him? see his value being higher than it is now. Like, is he going to put together a year? Is he going to do this again? I mean, this is his best mm-hmm. year of his career. Maybe when they make him a starter next year, then. But. Yeah, I mean, his value is 
good ERA was, but I mean, he was fine last year as well. Yeah. So, so are like, you, why not? Are you clamoring for a, a Stratton Brault piggyback next year? No, I'm clamoring for Brault to be nowhere near this team. I mean, someone's got a pitch, though. Yeah, someone. That, <laughs> they need five pitchers, at least six sometimes. I, I got I a rubber arm here. So Dude, if we were to ask you, uh, maybe a form of ranking, who's most likely to get dealt and how many of you guys, how many of these guys do you think will be dealt at the deadline? What are your thoughts? I, so I, I actually will parlay this into asking what, you know, what, how you guys are approaching the Adam Frazier talk, because I, I actually am like, I'm not start, you know, I'm not like necessarily like concerned or whatever, but like, I feel like, things are a little too gung ho of like, yeah, he's for sure gone. Like, I don't think people understand like how much they're probably going to ask for him. And and sure, maybe teams are willing and everyone's convinced that like the white Sox are a great candidate, but like Nick Madrigal has been hurt for a pretty long time and <laughs> nothing's mm-hmm. happened. So like, uh, you know, I, I'm not totally convinced that Adam Frazier is like definitely, definitely, definitely gone. Um, at the same time, like in terms of, you know, folks who are, who are tradable, like you'd still probably be in like the top three or four most likely. Um, I'm just, I, I don't know. I always get, I always feel like I um, am more hesitant with guys who, who are definitely going to fetch such a high asking price and the pirates are rightfully going to ask for that. And they probably shouldn't settle for less, but like how often do those trades really happen where you're getting a ton of like mid season, sending a ton of high upside prospects for, you know, a specific need on your team. I don't know. So I I don't think, um, I think some fans expectations of what Adam Frazier is probably worth are high. Did you um, say the yeah. fan? Did you say the <laughs> fan? Because we could also agree to that. So, and I agree that I, I think the pirates need to be asking for quite a bit. He's, he's at the top of his He's literally never been this good before. Uh, he's at the top of his trade value. I think you got to take advantage of that. But at the same time, I think that also means you need to take advantage of it and and trade them. Um, so I, they're not in a position where like they have to trade them, right? Like they they don't need to. They, they, he's he can come back next year. They can trade him during the offseason if they like something better. Then so they're not in a position where they have to, but they are in a pretty good spot where they've got a player who's pretty versatile. He can, he can play really second base, left field, right field. You can put him anywhere, third base, even, you know, you got this guy and and he's, he's just a, he's just an excellent hitter. Like I, I, there's there's like, there's no other way. His, his, his hit tool is off the charts right now. And there are a lot of teams out there where they're struggling to, just have people hit the ball. Like you look at the Yankees, right? And at the Yankees, I don't know if they have anybody hitting over 230, right? So if you bring a guy <laughs> like Adam Frazier in to the Yankees, you know, he immediately provides a huge spark to that offense. And and I think the Pirates know that, that, you know, he's he's a premier hitter in this league. And they're they're I think a deal gets made, but I don't think we're we're talking about like two top 100 prospects, right? Like we're talking about, <laughs> like, that's not going to happen. Right. Um, like we're, we're talking about, I think something, <laughs> not <similar>. Andrew Vaughn. <laughs> I think we're talking like something similar though, to like a Starling Marte deal. Like, I think you could, I think you could 
comparatively, you could compare those two and say, you know what, their trade values are probably pretty similar right now um, at the time of the trade. And so you look at the return on that trade, you know, Brennan Malone, uh, Pagero, neither of which were top 100 prospects when they traded them. And then, you know, both of them have kind of risen since then. So I think that's kind of what you could expect is maybe two pieces who could eventually develop and you're hoping to develop into, you know, higher tier prospects. I think that's what you get in a trade for Adam Frazier. I also could see fans being pretty disappointed with that return. If they're like, Hey, they got two guys in a ball. Um, but I think that's what, I think that's what you could realistically get. So, so I was talking to someone, uh, someone in the same, you know, stratosphere of the pirates, uh, about, <laughs> about Heyman going on with the fan and saying that they're going to get two top 100 prospects. Here. Yeah. And we were both saying like, damn you. Like, like you can <laughs> right. come in and say, you can, you can come in and say right. that and just leave and you don't have to deal with it ever again. Like, whereas I open up the mailbag and I'm just getting like questions from people that are like, okay, so which teams have the most top 50 prospects that they're going to send over for that operation? Like, no, come on, dude. Like that's not going to happen. No, I I am with you. I think that like, uh, I mean, their best bet, obviously, and and this isn't like, you know, reinventing the wheel or anything is if, is if the Yankees are like, okay, enough's enough. We really need some like a left-handed bat in here who is not Rugnet Odor. Like, uh, or, 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 you know, the Red Sox decide that they need a second baseman or, or someone who can flex there in outfield or, or whatever. Like, um, and they probably need teams to, to look at Adam Frazier and Eduardo Escobar and say, no, Adam Frazier is definitely better and we want him to, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I, I do agree that like, in terms of likelihood, it's probably one that like, you know, maybe it gets up closer to the deadline. Teams start to feel more of a sense of urgency, and then you know, come up to the the Pirates' asking price or whatever. Like, um, so so you know, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm certainly not saying that like I don't think he's going to be traded. I I just I'm always hesitant with like the big you know people who who everyone has been saying is a trade candidate for the last three months that it's like. Well, you know, maybe nobody wants that same asking price. Like maybe he's more valuable to the pirates and, and other teams don't see it the same way. But I agree that like this, this year has like kind of transformed that. And so like, they should be asking high and, and there are probably enough suitors that like it eventually happens. It just feels less of a sure thing than everyone seems to think it is. But anyways, that's sort of a distraction to like your original question. I, I still think that like <laughs> I group it into like a group of like four of like, to me, like Richard Rodriguez, uh, Tyler Anderson, Adam Frazier, and, and Chris Stratton are like the four that I think are, are, are more more likely than not. Um, maybe not more likely than not, but likelier than than the rest. Um, and and like Anderson and, and Rodriguez and and Stratton are guys that I just think every team could probably use. Like if if they're like, all right, well, how how can we improve our team? Like a crafty lefty veteran who maybe could fit in the bullpen if we needed him to. Like fine we've already been over Stratton and Rodriguez. And then the rest is just kind of like, I don't know. Uh, I, I was, I was talking to someone else the other day about like, remember last year and there was so much hype around all the pieces that the pirates had. And then the only guy who left was Gerard Dyson. And it's <laughs> like, like, you know, what, what if a team was like, ah, oh, man, we could really use like a, you know, a backup first baseman. And they're like, 
screw it. Let's go get John Nagowski. Like, I don't know. He's been playing pretty well. Like, we'll send, like, a low-level. Like, I feel like that's yeah. not that crazy because they've had such odd players that have, like, stepped up recently, like Defoe even. And, like, yeah. I think Defoe is the best option, that, the be- best example there. Defoe and Gamble, like, kind of fit that. Yeah. Yeah, Gamble, too. Yeah, yeah. Like, that wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world is if, like, those guys went. Like, I feel like, you know, everyone – it's weird because everyone went into the season being, you know, I mean, Gamble and Nagowski weren't even on the team, but like Defoe was like, you know, what is this guy doing? Like, what is what role is he going to fill? Like, whatever. And then when he pops up, it's like, man, they might have found something, but that can just turn into someone else <laughs> taking that something. Like, just like that's probably the most value or like substantive value that you'd get out of Wilmer Defoe anyway. So I don't know. It, it, it's it's like always so hard to figure, but. I always try to keep my eyes on those guys too that like people aren't really paying attention to and probably wouldn't fetch that big of a return. But sometimes those are the ones that are more likely to happen than anything. Take it back. I'm glad you. I was say I'm glad you brought that up because uh, similar to the Dyson trade, like Dyson was traded because of his speed, right? Yeah, that's what speed do. Who's which is why? 10, which is why? Who's ten for ten in stolen bases this year? <laughs> we we thought Gregory Polanco could come back and have this great power season get traded. Meanwhile, he's going to be the Dyson this year. The Pirates will eat his salary to go to a team who's looking for a speedster. <laughs> Who would have known Gregory Polanco is going to fit that mold? There it is. Yeah, he'll he'll steal oh. second base, but then he'll get come back to the pitcher. He'll get caught. He'll get talk, uh, stuck in a rundown between second and third the very next pitch. I, I, I always say, I always say to people, listen, Gregory Polanco's problem is not picking up speed; it's it's stopping and changing direction is where is where he really struggles. It's 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 you know getting coordinated enough to dive for a ball in the outfield like that's an adventure. He can't do that, but like he can get up. He's got a pretty good top speed. I can't believe that nobody has gotten back to the hold the tag on him because he pops off that base every single time. Still, they, they tried to fool him today, didn't they? Well, they, uh, I, the shortstop, I think it was, who was like pointing in the outfield saying the ball was in the outfield, and he was like, nah, it's right there. I'm the, I'm... Yeah, getting they smarter. They tried. Got that IQ. Greg's seen it all. You think you're going to get him with that? No chance. <laughs> Greg's going to go back to Dominican and just live a great life with all his money. Just going to rake in the yeah. Dominican winter leagues year after year. It's at least 45. And he's, He's gonna leave the MLB like within the next year or two because he's not good. I mean, I don't, I don't think he plays major league baseball after this year. I don't either, but I just love the guy. He, they seem happy I to just, have him. I just don't think he's good enough to make any other team. Like he'll get a minor league deal probably with a with a spring training invite next year, but he's just not good. <laughs> sucks. To, I mean, sucks to say that. I love him, but he's just not a good baseball player. He could well, have been adequate if he would have just not gotten hurt every year. Yeah, you know, one of the crazy, one of the craziest interviews we had last year was, uh, well, not craziest, but um, Randy Dobnak when he came back with the Twins or whatever. Like, I hopped on his Zoom and and was talking to him about Pittsburgh stuff, and um, he was saying like. Yeah, man. Like I remember, we were on vacation in like Fort Lauderdale when Gregory Polanco played his first game, and we all like rushed to a bar and like begged them to put like the Pirates game on the TV so we could watch Gregory Polanco's first game. And then it was like he was playing the 2020 version of Gregory Polanco. It's like, <laughs> man, that's gotta be, it's gotta be a far cry from what he was imagining Gregory Polanco's career would end up being. 
Right. Him and John Nagowski are in like the top five of most hits in their first however many games. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I look forward to having this conversation again when the Pirates pick up his team option for twelve and a half million next year. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're so funny. (laughs) Um so going back to Frazier, because of course I gotta ask more more questions on Frazier, right? Not from the North Shore Nine account. Um you bring up a good point, and I, I'm almost afraid to even ask this because I'm afraid to even entertain it. But I want to because I feel like I could almost maybe get oh, on the geez. ledge about it. You good? I, I just broke my desk in the middle of this. No, <laughs> makes the move easier for the apartment. Yeah, good thing you're moving. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll we'll deal with that later. <laughs> The whole shelf just came out. You know the shelves that slide out from underneath the desk or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like I bumped it with my leg and the whole back just collapsed out and just dropped on the ground. All right. Sorry about that. Wow. So, no. So, I, I, I'm just going to kind of entertain this. So, if the Pirates get completely underwhelmed by this trade, right? Because, again, they're not getting all these top prospects. But if they are completely <laughs> underwhelmed, do you think there's even a hint? Do we even entertain a possibility of an Adam Fraser extension. If you're not going to get anything in return for him, do you maybe look at keeping him? So the argument would just be like, for, you know, if I were making that argument, I would just say that like, uh, it, kind of what we were talking about earlier that like, you know, these prospects are great, but they're not a sure thing. And Adam Fraser is an all-star. So like, you know, might as well keep him around because I don't know. I don't know for sure that Nick Gonzalez or, or, uh, you know, lie over Baguero or, O'Neill Cruz or whoever is going to turn into that. Right. Um, so like I could hear, I could hear that argument, I guess, but I also don't know for sure, like how much better Adam Frazier, like makes, uh, you know, the team at that point anyways, like, you know, maybe your, your money would probably be better spent elsewhere on filling, you know, other holes because you do at least have those prospects who, you know, at this point you imagine are going to be serviceable. Um, and so you go and fill like the corner outfield spots or, 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 you know, catcher if Jacob Stallings has just stopped hitting and, you know, crumpled and his knees have crumbled into dust at that point or whatever, like, you know, um, like I would imagine that, that, you know, if, if you're working with obviously a finite amount of money because it's the pirates, like, I don't know if that's your best use of money um, just given his age and, and, you know, what you've seen from him over his entire career and whatever versus what he is now, you know? I think a lot of GMs can look back at Adam Frazier's career and see that he's been an average MLB player. So if you can get a return that's slightly above for an average major league player, I think you take it. Yeah, I just I, I'm with Tyler there. Um, I, I think you're gonna. I don't think you can expect this type of season out of Adam Frazier ever again, right? So it's possible it could happen again, but like he's never. He's always shown he could hit, but never like this, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I don't, I don't foresee this being, like, you know, Adam Frazier for the next five years. Like is, Adam Frazier's not, he's not all of a sudden Tony Gwynn, you know. But I, I, maybe he is this year, but it's not. Gonna I mean, he is right now, but thing, right would be, my, would be would be my guess. So yeah, I mean, unless he's going to sign something like four years, twenty million dollars, I'm not even entertaining that. I think maybe where my hesitation comes from is that like, 
how many years have we been talking about Adam Frazier being dealt at the deadline or in the offseason? It's it just mm-hmm. never happens. Like, like and I know years. it's it's complete. It's obviously completely different. He's never hit like this before. So like, and and you know he's running out of time on his contract. Like I get all of that, but like I think maybe it's just a, a an instinctual thing from me where. I'm shying away from Adam Frazier trade discussions because I've been hurt. I've been hurt before by mm-hmm. just assuming that he's gone. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I think I'm on board. Like I kind of agree with everyone else. You know, I just feel like, to me you have to. Yeah. It's, to me, it's it's going to be you know even if it's not what you wanted, it's almost best available because I think what you're going to get is at, I mean you're you're going to have at least get something decent. You know, it's not as if you're trading him for scraps. Someone's going to pull the trigger in my mind and say, "Here, okay, we'll give you this," but. I'm still leery. It's like if you do hold on to him, what what do you get next year? Um, yeah, like I just he's at his most peak value at this point in time. I think you just pull the trigger and do it, and then move on with this this plan, this rebuild. Yeah, I think like if you're not getting a good return from him, and he's willing to accept like a four year, twenty million dollar deal, then sure to entertain that. But I don't see that being the case. And deal him after he takes it. <laughs> now he's more <laughs> tradable. <laughs> Sign him to the deal tomorrow and then trade him on, on Friday. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of Pirates fans' thoughts are that they should be getting what they really should be getting for Brian Reynolds if he were on the market. A lot of people yeah. think he's like an astronomical return. Brian Reynolds is a real astronomical return that it's not ever going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think Brian Reynolds has approached the territory of if he is going to be traded, his what would need to be coming back for Brian Reynolds is just so high that no team is going to offer it. Yeah. It's the same old every trade deadline where every fan thinks that they're going to get way more than their players are worth. Let me trade my crappy players for your good players. Well, I mean, like Mike, John John Heyman thinks the Pirates can get Whoa. Andrew Vaughn and Michael Kopech. We're back to the this. <laughs> yeah. Who says no? <laughs> right. <Who's>, yeah. <laughs> who says no first? <laughs> All right. Well, I think um, that pretty much wraps up most stuff we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, did you guys have any other questions? I'm good. I'm good too. Yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for joining us, Mike. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I I think this is more uh, just you know shooting the you know what than it was like substantive answers to maybe the questions <laughs> that you had, but hopefully it was at least good conversation. I I enjoyed myself so. Uh, thanks for having me. That's every Thursday. <laughs> Shooting the you-know-what. Right. No, again, we really appreciate you uh, coming on, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again soon. All right. This you're, is a blast. Thanks for having me. Willing. <laughs> for sure. Have a good <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, I mean, I can't I can't be seen with so many non-blue checks this frequently, but, you know, I'll come on every now and then. So, You know what? Fix your desk. <laughs> right. <laughs> Imagine being verified and having a broken desk. <laughs> oh man yeah uh, but for real yeah thanks a lot we'll talk yeah. to you soon yeah absolutely thanks guys